Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a recording of the sermon from way back in the beginning of June, June 13th. This was a sermon preached by Pastor Gary, and and like you know, I've been trying to re-release some of these sermons that I failed to post earlier. Usually I was in a good rhythm of getting these posted for you later in the week, Um, but I became delinquent as I took vacations and went to camp and had other things on my schedule, but wanted to get them out now because I know people really appreciate it. I find listening to a sermon while I'm on a run or a walk or even a drive to work can be really valuable. This is something I do personally, um, finding sermons from other churches around the country. So I offer that to you. I hope that these episodes are uh, enlightening and uplifting and give you that continual boost in your walk of faith between the Sundays. Uh, So like I said, today's sermon was preached way back on June 13th by Pastor Gary, um, and it's based on a reading from Ezekiel 17, as well as one from Mark's gospel, Mark 4, verses 26 through 34. Hope you enjoy it. Two kinds of plants that we have in our readings today. The first reading that Janet read for us, a cedar tree. The second reading, a mustard tree, barely. Actually, the new RSV probably gets it right and translates it a shrub because that's probably much more the case. So these two plants written in very different times and yet some really important ways that we see how they line up together. So the first, as Ezekiel. Ezekiel is writing to the people in exile. So the people in Israel and Judah have been overthrown. The northern kingdom of Israel overthrown by Assyria. Finally, the southern kingdom of Judah overthrown by Babylon. And they are now in exile or very close to that. Ezekiel, now in their midst, comes to them and tries to bring them some words of hope. It's really interesting, actually, about the book of Ezekiel. We know a lot about the story of the dry bones, the being connected and all of that coming together. And then a little bit about this story. Virtually the rest of Ezekiel, like all 43 chapters or however many are there in there, ask Pastor Brenda later, she probably hasn't memorized. Um, uh, all of that is all doom and gloom practically, except for these little snippets of hope. And so we get that now from Ezekiel, this little bit of hope that starts out by God saying he's going to go to the top of a cedar tree that's there now and cut off a tiny sprig from the top. So so looking for that new growth opportunity, he will take that out and then God will go plant that somewhere. Now, if you're hearing this in Ezekiel's day, what you're probably hearing is, I shouldn't expect any immediate results of this because it takes a cedar tree Sometimes 25 or 30 years and in an arid climate could be 50 years to actually grow up to be much of anything. So as the people are hearing that God is going to take this tiny sprig from the top of a cedar and plant it, one of the messages that is coming to them is, hang on. You got a little bit of time before any of this makes sense. And if you are in exile, you might think, that's not the word I was looking for. 
I would rather hear that God was going to pick up a cedar tree from exile, take it back to Jerusalem, and plant it right there. But that's not how it's going to work. Now, we contrast that with Jesus coming and giving us these these parables. First, for us to just acknowledge that we really don't get how seeds grow. I mean, I know like scientifically, we can go in now and talk about how that seed will sprout and how the cells divide and all that kind of stuff. So I can explain it, but I really don't know how, if that makes sense. I can tell you how, but I really don't know how. Seeds are an expression of incredible faith. Just like the tiny sprig of the top of a cedar being taken out of exile, planted back in Jerusalem to eventually grow up as an element of faith, so Jesus brings us that too through the very idea that when we sow seeds in the ground, we simply go to bed and get up and go to bed and get up. And all we can do is conjure back to the second grade when we planted like the lima bean and the Dixie cup. And then every day we tended to care for it, but we really didn't know how all of this was going to play out. And so now Jesus tells us that same thing as well. And then goes on and talks about the mustard seed. Now the mustard seed is very different from a cedar tree. A cedar tree could take anywhere from 35 to 50 years to grow up depending on the climate that it's in. How long for a mustard seed to grow up and produce anything? No botanist here? 25 to 30 days. 25 to 30 days in the right climate, this mustard seed could already be doing things. And the way we have to contrast the the words that come from the prophets and the words that come from Jesus, sometimes they're incredible, this sense of acceleration that we feel in that time. And yet Jesus knows he's in a very different time with the people. He needs to get them ready for what's about to happen. Just as Ezekiel had to prepare them for 50 years later, then they would return from exile, Jesus has to prepare his disciples to to be looking around nearly immediately to see where the harvest is and how they can bring people in on that. And so we have these, these times and these periods of growth. But to me, The most astounding thing was not what happens in the difference between those two. I think they're rather contextual. It just just sets up for you what you can expect for your generation. But the result seems to be nearly identical, whether it was going to be a cedar tree or a mustard plant. And so in your readings, you'll have in there at the end of verse 23 from that Ezekiel reading, where it talks about that what gets planted will become a noble cedar, and then under it, every kind of bird will live. In that place, every kind of bird will live. Now, if you're hearing this as a Jewish person in exile, you're probably thinking, wait a second, That should say every Jewish person will have a place to live in it. But that's not what God says through the prophet. God says that every kind will have a place to live in that. Does that mean Jewish? 
and Assyrian, Jewish and Babylonian, and later on Jewish and Persian, are they all going to be invited to experience what should be mine? But that appears as exactly what God is telling them. That they need to prepare already for the fact that even though they will return from exile, that they are to return from exile with an attitude of inclusion about what it means to welcome people into the kingdom that God prepares for them. So then, uh, 500 years later, Jesus starts talking about this mustard seed that's going to be planted and it's going to grow up to be the greatest of all shrubs. So there in uh, verse 32, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now when I hear that, the birds of the air, I don't look up and say, okay, yes, sparrows, cardinals, and uh, finches, you're all allowed in. The rest of you stay out. Well, blue jays probably just should because they get mean sometimes. But, but otherwise, we're being told that if you can look up and see a bird in the air that God is preparing the kingdom for them, no matter what they look like, no matter how good of a neighbor they are, God is saying that there is room for them in the kingdom of God. And when it comes to all of that actually happening, there's a little piece in there that I looked at and I realized that the kingdom of God is going to be like a cedar tree. The kingdom of God might even be like a mustard plant shrub But nothing happens unless somebody takes action. The cedar tree never happens except for the fact that God says, I will take that sprig and plant it. So we go back to the Old Testament, we have to realize we have to turn that power over to God. When we're in exile, it's a little bit beyond us. But now, we're still hearing Jesus say, The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the ground. The seed will lie there dormant forever unless somebody already connected to God chooses to plant it. And then it has a chance. And then the birds of the air have a chance to find out that the kingdom might actually be for them. And so I actually wondered back in Ezekiel's day, I thought, you know, the kingdom of God is going to happen no matter what because God's going to care for it. The kingdom of God will be with or without me. That seems to change with Jesus. With Jesus, it seems to be, the kingdom of God has no chance unless I get involved. The kingdom of God will lie dormant, completely dead until I get involved. And when that happens, 
And when I can plant a seed, when I can plant a seed of of inclusion to let people know, I don't know where you've been in life up to this point, but I know the kingdom of God includes you. I don't know where you've been worshiping throughout your whole life, but I know the kingdom of God includes you. I don't know what you think about politics or social issues, but I know the kingdom of God includes you. But I know the kingdom of God does not happen on its own. It's like a mustard seed. That's not a lot for us to care for. You could look in your hand sometimes and go, oh yeah, it is there, actually. God is not asking you to move a cedar tree. God is saying, you have this tiny little seed in your hand. I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm just asking you to plant one tiny seed. Give it a little bit of water. And as it starts growing, invite someone maybe particularly someone who you might think would not be interested in the kingdom of God. Invite them to experience what God has in store. Does the kingdom of God have a bright future? It depends. It depends on if you choose to plant a seed. Amen. 